How many are enjoying this series, Heart Matters? This is good stuff. It really is. We talked last week a little bit about recognizing a place where you might sell out in your life and removing it and replacing it. And so uh, we had some for sale signs all over the back here about places where you might have price tags in your life that you'd be willing to sell out for money or fame or fortune or opportunity or even acceptance. Some people have a price tag of acceptance. And we put them all on the cross last week. How many like this cross with all these tags on it? Come on, give it up for Brother Steve Cox who built this cross for us. Give it up for him. He did good work, didn't he? Did good work. Amen. And these cross, these cross tags, sister helped us with that. And we already gave her some credit, so we won't give her more credit today. She helped. We, we, had, we clapped for you last week, Sister Caroline, so we won't clap this week. Oh, there's one. There's one. Oh, the love. Oh, the love. Oh, the love. Would you stand with me if you're physically able and go to Genesis chapter 27. We were in chapter 25 last week talking about Jacob and Esau and how Esau came hungry from the field from hunting and he sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. Everyone say a bowl of beans. That's not worthy of a birthright. It just is not worthy of a birthright. And so we talked about the fact that you may have price tags in your life that you did not know it. And my little hairdresser who has has rough English. Was t- I was telling the story, and she said, "Sounds like they had a price tag," and it r- spun off this this particular sermon. So, I want to go to twenty seven, and we'll begin reading in the beginning of that chapter for taking a text today. And I want to show you um, not only where Jacob received his blessing, but also what he did with that blessing. And then I want to share with you four major things that a father must do in blessing his children today. And in those things, I want to whittle that all down to one thing for you to leave here with, and that is the most important thing a father can do in the life of their children. The most important thing a father can do in the life of their children. Maybe this will be revelatory for you. Maybe this will be something that you've never seen before. Um, It'll probably be like, oh, that makes sense because I can tell that in my life, but Maybe not. Maybe some of you have had a really good relationship with your father and you're going to see pictures as I'm teaching this throughout your life of where your father did this for you. And then others of us will have pictures that are just blank that didn't develop (laughs) because our father wasn't there for us. You know, we, we didn't have a father in our life. But guess what? You can fill in all those blanks with your life, turning around those curses into blessings. Amen. And you can put pictures where they didn't develop of you with your children, you blessing them and you teaching them and you helping them to learn the things of God. Amen? Because we don't have to live cursed when we have a blessed father. Amen. When we have a God who blesses us. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that, being a blessing, having a blessing, living the blessing, all of those different things. So let's just read together in Genesis chapter 27, beginning at the first verse. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, if, if, you, if you're not there, say Yahweh. <laughs> you're awake. Somebody's awake. All right. And it came to pass. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, 
so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here I am. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapon, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. Go get me some meat, he said. He loved his son's meat, loved his hunting, loved the preparation that he did, apparently, and, and how good that was. And make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee. Everyone say, bless thee. Before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord um, before my death. And then she goes on to say, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and, and fetch me from thence two good kids of, goat, of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. In other words, she said, I'm going to make a substitute for what your father asked for. And then she said, And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and he, that he may bless thee. Everyone say, bless thee, before his death. There's always a sneaky person in there, isn't there? So it runs in the family for some people. But I, I, I want you to know that even though there was a substitute, there was still a blessing. Amen? And so we have to understand that there was a lot of circumstances that should have never given Jacob the blessing. But whenever Jacob listened to the voice of his mother and did what she asked him to, even though he brought in a substitute to get the blessing, there was still a blessing to be had. I just want to speak to you for a little while on the subject of fathers, the heart of a father, the heart of a father. Jesus, bless your word, bless the anointing, bless the power and the might of your word. It is already anointed, but we ask you to use it in your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You may be a seated. You may be squatted, one pastor said. I don't know why, but did you know that fathers are the standard bearer in the home? Did you know that? That is changing in America. Obviously, very much changed in, in the culture in which we live in. There is not so much an emphasis on the father being the standard bearer as whoever is the primary caregiver in the home being the standard bearer. But in the scriptures, we understand that the father of the home was the one that translated the work ethic to the next generation. The father in the home is the one that it did the encouragement in the home. Not just the mother. The mother was a, a tremendous part of the home in setting the tone of the home. But the father is the one that encouraged the children. And the father actually was the planner of the home. He did the plans. He planned the times together. He planned the times when they would be apart or on vacation or traveling. So the father was the planner. And then also the father was the protector of the home. 
All these different things we can see that have somewhat deteriorated even in our culture, but we have to understand that if we want health and wholeness in the home and health and wholeness in our hearts, that if there's a breakdown in this area, if we can learn it and, and apply God's word to it and heal ourselves in it, we can have healthy and happy homes. Somebody say amen. amen. So they are to be protectors. They are to be providers. But we can learn a lot from the references that are in the scripture of God being our father. Amen? I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed that song that they were singing. He's a good, good father. He's not just good. He's good, good. There's multiple, he uses multiple goods there. And that means it gives it emphasis. Just like the scripture, when it uses multiple um, terms the same way in the Hebrew language it meant this is of great importance so when we sing it I hear the reference of the scripture like when Jesus stood and looked over Jerusalem and he said um, my children my children and he wept he was saying there's there I would have gathered you unto me if you would have come but in in that emphasis and that importance I see in the scripture I translate it to the song when we're singing he's not just good but he's a good good father he's in it's important to know that whenever you don't know where to look for good just look to Jesus because he is your good and amazing God amen somebody he is a good father we can learn from him that conduct and character and command and correction come from Father Roll. And we can learn that there's representation of behavior and benefit in the home as we not only just act, but we attain the things of God through learning the Word of God and acting upon it. And we, be, and we become what we read and we become what we think. And so we have to understand that neurologists are just now finding out that whenever the father was set into the home, it was so very important that the father speak to the children the stories of his past because thinking creates neural pathways and those neural pathways create ways in which you're comfortable thinking. And therefore that comfort of thinking creates action and that's why it's so hard to change a habit. It's so hard to change the way you function sometimes. Even so much so that when we pray at times and ask God to change a situation, we will fight the miracle that shows up because it's opposite from the pathways we're used to walking and thinking. We can literally dismantle a miracle because we're so comfortable snuggling up under the covers of a warm, bad pathway, a warm, bad thinking and we won't we won't go out in the cold to see God do great and miraculous things in our life because we are not used to those things and so the father in the home has to be one that's courageous to say whatever God calls us to do wherever God calls us to go we may not be used to it it may not be normal to our thinking but if it's in the word of God and if it's founded upon the truth then God's says it we're going to do it we need courageous fathers in the home and I want you to know today that I bring one major thing to you 
that God spoke to me specifically as I began to hung to hang on this particular cross, my price tag of, of father abandonment. Because every once in a while, it comes back to me. I'll spend a week or so praying to God, God, show me your love. God, show me fatherly love. And he answers every time because I don't want my earthly representation of a bad father relationship to ever thwart or taint my heavenly relationship with a good fatherly relationship. I don't ever want to look at my father who's in heaven and think that he's like my father who was poor on earth. And I, I honor my father, but I have to tell you that behavior is something that you cannot change. And past record is something you cannot change. So what I do is I take down all of the things that have weight in my life from an earthly father who could not do it right. Love him to death. I appreciate him. I'm not dishonoring his name or who he is. But I tell you, I've replaced it with a God who knows how to show up when I need him and knows how to be there when I don't have hope and knows how to make a way when I get to the end of my way. And I know that God can do anything because he's done anything to help me. He could when I needed him. And I want you to know that living a blessed life comes from having a blessing of your father. And we have to understand the culture of this time. And so Jacob is looking for a blessing from his father because he had already acquired the blessing from his brother. He sold it out. You sell out so much more whenever you sell out your birthright, brothers and sisters. You sell out the next generation's birthright too. And you sell out the blessing people have from being attached to your birthright. I want you to know that whenever you're looking at the scripture, you, the scripture doesn't just talk about you being fruitful. It talks about the blessing of the fruitfulness of your life, blessing other people. And so when you spend your life living for God as a, in a, and being faithful to God and, and faithful in his blessings, your blessings bless other people. That may seem very small to you, but I want you to know that whenever God is blessing through the scriptures and we see that men of old, patriarchs, would gather their feet up into the bed and begin to bless all of their children around them, they would often use verbiage and, and, and ideologies and, and different metaphors for the things that God were gonna, was going to do in their children's life. And you have to understand that whenever they looked at the scriptures as, as a New Testament church and they began to understand Jesus is the Son of God that they also went back to the Old Testament and they understood that if Jesus is the son of God then he must have the blessing of his father they under, they understood that there had to be a blessing given and now we know obviously that God manifested in the flesh was Jesus Christ that flesh is the son I don't have to try to over explain that because we understand that there is only one God his name is Jehovah and he became flesh for us named Jesus to die for us. But if you're wondering why there's a voice from heaven in, John, in the scriptures, it's because the people that were standing on the banks of the Jordan that day that were looking to see the Son of God, they knew that as they looked back through the patriarchs of scripture, that if there's going to be a son that stands and is right in his position, he must first have the blessing of the former in position because authority is passed down 
down through the authority line of the patriarchs. And so when you look at the blessing of the patriarch, when you look at the position given by the patriarchs, you see that these men of the Old Testament, when they stood around their father's bed and he handed out blessings, they would go out living their life according to those blessings, Brother Reese. And you see it played out in the scripture. So therefore, when they're seeing Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist and the dove showed up as you so well handled and then all of a sudden there's a voice from heaven saying this is my son in whom I am well pleased they then understand as monotheistic Christian as monotheistic individual Jewish men that there was a proper blessing on Jesus Christ to be the Messiah the God upon this earth because he had the position and he had the blessing oh hallelujah of his father on him you understand that that is not a separate person that is a lineage blessing so that he could not only take us to a cross but he could take us on beyond the cross to heaven and so when we put our price tag on the cross last week it stayed there but we didn't when we put our blessings into into praise and into worship and into lifting God up we realize that when we take our struggles and we lay it at the cross that is the only place where it belongs because it shouldn't walk with us through every day. It shouldn't walk with us through Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We need to leave it at the cross because that's where Jesus crucified everything that would try to take our lives out. And I promise you that is the best place to leave it. So you must know in preaching a little bit, I hope you don't mind if I preach, just making sure (laughs) we did come to church today, right? So I'm yelling, but I'm not mad. I'm just letting you know that I'm grateful for a voice from heaven, not because of the confusion it made in religion, but because I know that he had his blessing so that he could be who he was supposed to be. In other words, you can't be who you're supposed to be until you have a father's blessing. And I've seen people that are 80 years old chasing after stuff, hoping for, is this good enough? Is this good enough? That have missed their father's blessing. Look at Esau. If we jump over just a ways. We see that Jacob comes back and he brings meat and he has to put on wooly garments. Now you know that man was hairy. If you can take a beast and make yourself like your brother. (laughs) That boy needed some waxing. That's all I'm going to say right there. He needed to deal with his stuff, some laser treatment or something. So we look over in verse 33, and Isaac trembled very exceedingly because now Esau had come in to get his blessing, and he'd already given the blessing to Jacob. Jacob has swindled it right out from underneath him because that was his name. He's good at swindling. Exceedingly, now Isaac was trembling so much so that the scripture records it. And he says exceeding, so that, and said, who were, who, where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me, and I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. In other words, who was it that came before you because I thought that was you, and I blessed him. He brought a substitute Come on, preach with me right now. Brought a substitute 
to get the blessing. Amen? That's a picture of Jesus Christ. He was our substitute on the cross so we could get the blessing. Amen? So then what happens in verse 34, he said, and when Esau heard, no, it said, uh, before that, it says, yea, blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. In other words, he said, I have blessed someone before you who had the substitute, and I didn't know it. And now, because I've blessed him, I cannot retract a blessing. Well, let's close. Everyone bow your heads. That'll take you all through the week. When God blesses you, it can't be removed. And so what he's saying is, I've already spoken the blessing. I can't take it back. And look what Esau does. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, bless me, bless me, even me also. Oh, my father, you have to understand something. Everybody gives Esau a bad name because he sold out his birthright. But you have to understand, he was a wise hunter. He was cunning. He knew his stuff. And right here, he understood that I need to live my life with my father's blessings or I will not have success in some areas of my life. There will be things that I run after. There will be risky behavior that I take. There will be other things that I do that I should not do, all because of the fact that I'm living and searching for something that was missing from my father. And we have a world that's chasing things that are empty and void of blessing. And, all, and what we're finding and what psychologists are finding is that they can trace it all back to a bad father relationship. They can trace back people that are incarcerated to not having a father in the home. And they can trace back things that we wouldn't even understand that are going on in people's lives all because they had a poor father relationship. But I'm so thankful. And I'm a testimony to the fact that you can have a bad father and still have a fatherly blessing. That you can have something go wrong that should have never gone wrong. And you can be like Esau, Father, bless me. Would you just give me a blessing to live with? I don't want to run through life seeking things that cannot bless me. I don't want to spend my life searching for an affirmation that was never given, that was intended to give. I don't want to try to be something when I never was blessed to be something. And I found it in God Almighty. I found it in Jesus Christ. And he said to his brother, in verse 35, and he said, thy brother came with subtility and had taken away thy blessing. Esau cried bitterly. How many tears have been shed in our world today because people just don't even know that what they are missing, the void they're missing, is a father in heaven's blessing on their life. A heavenly father. I want you to know that we are made to be blessed. We're made to be blessed. God fashioned us so that we're blessed. Went to a wedding last night and I just stopped in because it wasn't a wedding that I could celebrate personally. But I noticed that when the bride's dad got up, even though the band was still waiting, when the dad's bride got up and began to give some fatherly wisdom, the place shut down. Everybody was just listening.
Because when a father blesses the next generation, there's something that was special about that moment that when he finished, all the crowd went, oh. There wasn't a moment like that at all any of the rest of the night. But when the father stood up to bless the daughter, something was transferred. And I want you to know that when God stands up to bless you, he will. When nobody else stands up for you, God will stand up and bless you when you're faithful to him. When nobody else knows your name, it doesn't matter. He's put his name on you and he knows exactly where you are and he knows exactly what you need. And he will stand and he will bless your life. And you have to know this because he wants He wants to bless you. Not only did he go before us so that he could bless us, because blessing is passed to the next generation. So he had to go before us on the cross in order to bless us after the cross. And so we have to understand that the Father's blessing, and I, I have four of them that I'm going to hit, but I want you to boil it all down to this one thing today to take away, and that is a Father's anointing in life is to bless what's next. And you have to understand that that takes its role out through everything in life. As a pastor, whenever we're going to do something in a church, I have to go to God. And I have to get on my knees and I say, God, is this the direction you want us to go? Is this the thing you want us to do? Are you blessing this? And when I sense his blessing on what's next, then I bring it to the church and say, this is, I know this is what I feel from God. And we talk about it as a team and we get together and we handle it. But I want you to know that the fatherly figure was the one that was to bless what's next. And that's why our world feels stuck because they're missing so many fatherly figures that they trust to bless their next. Amen, somebody. This is so, I don't know if you feel the gravity of what I'm preaching right now, but I'm telling you, there are places where we must understand that when you take it to the cross, it's not a loss. It's a place where God can remove that price tag where you would have sold out and he can bless you in that area and he can make that so strong that you never sell out in that area. But not only that, do you leave it at the cross, but it's not a loss for you. It's actually a, a win for the kingdom because then he might even use that area area for you to minister to or minister through. So we have to understand that no blessing from God is meant to be just for us. But we have to know that as fathers and as family members, we are actually living out the blessings of God for others to see them and say, I want what you have. I want what it is that you know, because I want to feel my next be blessed. How about you? How many don't, is there anybody here that wants to be stuck? Just, you know, Anybody? No, of course not. We want what's next, and we want what's best for us. We want that for our children, and we have to live that. And there's no blessing like a father in heaven. Amen? And there's no life like a blessed life. Amen? Life lived without, it is like living without water, not having a refreshing. You run from one thing to the next, as I talked about, as if, their life is asking, is there anything good that will bless me here? And so I know people that keep up with the Joneses. You know people like that? People that keep up with the Joneses? I wish the Joneses never moved in the neighborhood. Because <laughs> we'd all be better, right? 
worldly positions. Some people get position after position, trying to, and, and title after title, trying to, trying to approve of themselves or have others approve of them. Never being satisfied, missing the Father's blessing is very effective. Even in the culture that we live in, understanding the blessing of the Father is very important. Jesus, even in his, even in his day, he was a reverent of his Father, even though he was God in flesh. Amen. I'm trying to make sure that I get through all of this. And I want to, you to see that even though Esau didn't live with a blessing and Jacob did, there is going to come a day where Jacob's swindling got caught up to him. Amen? And whenever Esau came after him, he took all of his blessings and put them out ahead of him. And sometimes you have to understand that the only thing that shelters you from some things is the blessings that God brings to you. And so when God brings blessing that's going to help you and protect you, you have to know that you need to live a blessed life in order to have those things in your life. That's not even in my, in my notes, but I want to give you four things a father blesses. That is, he blesses his children when he teaches them to view the world from God's perspective. When, he, when you teach your children to view the world from God's word, you bless your children. Number one is view the world from God's perspective. Number two, a father's anointing and blessing over the home is to teach their kid to have praise, passion, and people first. Praise, passion, and people first. In praise, there's victory, amen? Go to Genesis chapter 49, and I just want to show you how this story ends, because this is where Jacob gets his blessing. But I want to show you the story how important blessing is. And Jacob understands that his name is changed to Israel when he struggles with God as in an angel or theophany form. And then God changes his name because he can't have him named Swindler anymore, but he changes him to Israel and he touches his, his hip so that he, norm, he no longer walks normal because anytime God touches your life, it changes the way you walk. Amen. So God literally deals with Jacob, and Jacob understands the power of the blessing. And so Jacob is now coming to the end of his life in Genesis 49. And we see him going about blessing his children in verse 8. And he says this, he says in number 8, he's, he's handing out blessing to his children. And he's labeling them, saying their name, and then giving them blessing or cursing based upon what the Lord was telling him. In verse 8 it says, Judah... It lists him and says, Thou art he whom thy brothers shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. How many know what Judah means? Praise, right? In other words, we're given a picture here from this blessing of Jacob of what praise does. Praise has a supremacy over everything else. Praise has its hands around the neck of your enemies. And you have to understand the revelation of what's going on here. He says, he says, thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. In other words, he's saying you're going to have a generational blessing through praise. And you're going to have the ability to take your enemies by the neck and strangle them through your praise. In other words, your praise needs to be taught to your children that that is where your victory is. 
that when you lift your hands in church on Sunday, you're not just fulfilling a religious ritual, but you're coming in here to put a stranglehold on the things that are trying to strangle your future, your blessing, and your hope. And what happens is everything that's trying to die out in you, everything that's trying to be suffocated in your life, in this world, all of a sudden starts starving for air itself because I lift my praise to you, God. I worship you. I adore you. And Judah's blessing is a blessing that will take hold of the enemy's neck. Amen, somebody. That's the supremacy of praise. Supremacy of praise. Judah is a lion whelp from the prey, my son. Thou art gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and, and as an old lion and shall not who shall rouse him up in other words he's strong he shall not be moved and this is powerful that we have to teach our kids about praise not only is our victory but watch this the scepter shall not depart from judah does anybody know what a scepter is a scepter is that thing that the king would hold and when you came into the presence of a king you didn't come unless you were invited and if you ran into the throne room of a king Typically, you got an arrow or something. You got a javelin. That's, that, your day was done. But what happened is the king held a scepter. And if the king said, even when you ran in hastily, that it was all right for you to be there, he wouldn't say, it's okay, let him come forward. He would extend his scepter out, saying, I give sovereignty to this individual, and they have right to come before me. I look at the scripture, and I see God all over that. Don't you? That we can boldly come to the throne of grace in time of need. We don't have to have an appointment. We have, we have an appointment. <laughs> we have God who came and died for us. And we have the opportunity to walk into his presence anytime. In other words, what it's saying here is your praise gives you access to almighty God. And everything that he is then becomes available to you. In other words, that the scepter is used to show sovereignty, nor a lawgiver be from between his feet until Shiloh come. Shiloh is a word that represents tranquil. In other words, peace. So what it's saying is, your victory is not only in your praise. Fathers, you need to teach your children that their peace is found in their praise. In other words, when you praise God, you get victory by putting a stranglehold on the enemies of your life, but you also get the Prince of Peace to show up in your situation. God will come and he'll bring power and might and scepter and lawgiver he'll bring justice and he'll bring access to you because you understand that victory is in praise we don't bring our kids to Sunday school just so that they can learn the Bible stories and that's important we bring them to Sunday school because we want them to be in the praise service first and experience God and while I was standing over there worshiping Rob singing and 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 we're we're praising God and I look back and little Cindy's doing the elbow da -na, da -da -na. you know she's throwing that elbow for Jesus what is that all about she doesn't even know I turned around and I went like this and she goes oh yeah, well go ahead <laughs> you got your own praise I ain't going to your praise what's funny is while all that's going on and we think that's just cute we're teaching them the victory. And we're teaching them the access of God. And we're teaching them the authority. And we're teaching them the sovereignty of God. And the fact that we, we have access by will. 
we can walk into the power and anointing of God at will. I can stand here and pray in the Holy Ghost till this place lights up at will because God has given us access through the Holy Ghost, through the power of God. And so therefore, you are the one that determines what the blessing shall be on your life. You're the one that determines whether today will change you forever and maybe change your patriarch blessing forever. That is the passion that we need to translate to our children. Praise, passion, the heart of God. Having the heart of God. The heart of God in a situation says, I keep a cross in my crisis. Amen? That whatever has come against me, we don't turn and we don't walk away. Uh, if, if something happens to us, we don't say, well, that's it. God didn't work. No, we go harder after the things of God. We turn to our children and say, yes, this is hard, but we're going to follow God in the hard times. We're going to follow God when it's not easy. We're going to love him when it's good, and we love him when it's bad. He's a good father, amen? We're blessed through the trials. And people first learn how to serve because serve is where we minister, amen? And then we must also learn something that he says to one of his other children. He says, Joseph is a fruitful branch in verse 22. After he said a wonderful statement that I love in 18, I, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. How many have ever had to wait for the saving grace of God? How many have ever had to wait for God to show up in your situation? And then verse 22, he says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by, the, by a well. Everyone say a well whose branches run over the wall. The anchors have sorely grieved him. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. What is this saying? There's a beautiful revelation in this. It's saying that you need to teach your kids not to be successful. You need to teach your kids to be fruitful. There's a huge difference, brothers and sisters. The world is teaching people how to be successful. The church teaches everyone how to be fruitful. Because success is all about you. Look at my success. Look at my Bugatti. Look at my Ferrari. Look at my this. Look at my, I got my stuff. I got my Yeezys laced up. Uh, sorry, I was looking at you, Estevan. It just happened. I got my stuff. I got my, I got my cars. I got my houses. I got all my things. And all of that stuff is about me, my success, humanistic success. But the Word of God doesn't teach you to be successful. It teaches you to be fruitful. And that's a completely different thing. Because fruitfulness means that you grow out boughs that run over the walls, it says. And when it's talking about the blessing of Joseph. In other words, where there was a well, it says that he was nourished at the well. Life spring, hey, I love it. He was nourished, shout out for life spring in this sermon. There, woohoo, got one. And it says that his bowels ran over the walls. In other words, it didn't just feed people on this side of understanding. It fed people that were outside of your belief system outside the walls of your understanding outside the places where you normally go where there's barriers 
You can be fruitful so much in your life that the barriers don't matter anymore because you actually, your fruitfulness will re, oh, I'm preaching some revelation today. I hope you get this because God has given this to me. You'll reach over the barriers to provide sweet fruit to people that would, would not have even known that that blessing was there. But because you live a fruitful life, not a successful life, they'll never see it with you being successful. They'll be like, well, they got the stuff. But what they will notice is when your life is so fruitful that they benefit from the blessing of your life because now your boughs have reached over into places that not only bless you and bless your children, but you're blessing the stranger that walks by at the wall, the one who did not know there was going to be nourishment, the one that did not know they would find a blessing from God in their life, the one that did not know as a traveler where to find good things of life, but now they walk up and there's nourishment from your life. Fruitfulness doesn't just bless you, it blesses those you never thought it would bless. So teach your children to bear fruit in their life. Fruitfulness is eternal. Success is temporal. You only drive that Bugatti so long and then they pat you on the chest with a shovel. And you go on to be with the Lord, but that Bugatti stays in the garage. Comes from God. Blessing of fruitfulness cannot be given to you from men. Fruitfulness only comes from God. And fruitfulness, Brother Adon, only comes from the Holy Ghost. You have to have an anointed life to have fruitfulness that reaches over the wall. Amen? To have a fruitful life so strong that the Holy Ghost is on you and you have love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance, the fruits of the Holy Ghost. I need fruit before I need everything else in my life. I need fruit from God's holy anointing in my life before I need anything else because I can live without things, but I can't live without fruitfulness in my life. The fruit of your life equals the fruit that others enjoy. John 1, 15, in John 15, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. In order to have a good life, it comes from God's blessings and fruitfulness. Amen, somebody? I want to be fruitful, not successful. Number four, so we hit them all almost. Number one, view the world from God's perspective. Teach your children that. That's the blessing of a father. Number two, teach them how to praise where their victory is, how to have passion in the heart of God and how to put people first. Number three, fruitfulness over success. And number four, that their strength is in God. Look at that verse again. When he's talking about the strength coming to Joseph, he says, but his bow abode in strength and his arms Excuse me, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee. Everyone say, help thee. He's our help. And by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep, that lieth under, in other words, in the waters. There's going to be a deep wellspring in your life. There's going to be stuff that comes from places people don't even know where it's coming from, but you're just nourished in the deep things of God. And shall 
Uh, let's see. I gotta find my place. I apologize. Blessings of the deep things under blessings of the uh, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. In other words, you're going to be fruitful. The blessing of thy father have prevailed above the blessing of my progenitors unto the utmost bound uh, bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. He goes on to say some really cool things. And then at verse 28, it says, And these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is it, that their father spake unto them. And what? And what? What did he do? Israel knew the power of a blessing. Everyone according to his blessing it's used so the word blessing is used so many times in this passage you know that Jacob or Israel understood it his blessing according to his blessing he blessed them in other words according to how he blessed them was how they were blessed according to how you bless your children will be how they will be blessed i'm thankful for a god that blessed my life but i'm also thankful for an understanding that there's a blessing that comes from me to my children. There's a blessing that I can extend to the next generation. And I'm thankful that he went to the cross so that he could bless me after the cross. Amen? I'm thankful that it may seem like maybe sometimes like a substitute, but that substitute bought my blessing. And I'm thankful that I know for a fact that a father can bless what's next. So what's next in your children's life? I don't know. But I know this, if you have the heart of a father, you will seek God for your children. You will pray and you will ask God, what is next? And then you will know what to bless in their life. And whenever you're putting all these blessings on your children, you're building into them a fruitful life. You're building into them the ability to create fruit. And guess what? You will be old and gray one day, Dan. <laughs> and you will turn around and you will reap from the fruitfulness of your grandchildren. And then you will see the full circle of God's blessing. Amen. Stand with me, would you? Lord, give us the heart of a father as a church. God, there are people in this room that maybe have not had a good father relationship. But this is your house, oh God. And this house is to represent the character and the kindness of what you are. So right now I ask you to minister to somebody that wants to be fruitful. They've had a lot of success in their life. There are people in this room right now, it would stagger us if we knew the kind of success that they've had in their job and in their life. But God, I'm praying that fruitfulness, oh, thank you, Jesus, overcomes success. That they're not just successful anymore in the business and in the world and in the things that they do because they're blessed by you, God but that the fruitfulness of their life begins to show up in other people's lives and that their blessing becomes somebody else's blessing and that today we can, we can talk about you being a good, good father to us even though we didn't have a good father ourselves and we can walk in the blessing of the Lord and have the position that you gave us and the authority to enter into your throne room with grace and power anytime we needed, that you would flood over us, God, and you would teach us that no act or no, no, no attempt to, to, to scuff 
Lord God, the, the, the dirt off of our knees when we fall down is, is necessary. We can come to you straight from the fall, Lord God. We can come to you straight from the struggle and you will dust us off with your grace and you will clean us up and put a new robe and a new garment of love on us and say, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. I've provided for you. I've done everything you need. Come boldly to me. There's a scepter in our praise today. There's a power in this service today. I wonder if there's anybody that needs a Father's blessing today. Before we do anything else, would, would you close your head and bow your, eye, or bow your head and close your eyes the opposite? I said it wrong, but we're going to take a moment. And if there's been a struggle in your life of a missing father, and you're willing to let this pastor pray for you, pray a blessing over you. Would you just, with every eye closed, no one looking around, would you lift your hands and say, yep, I've had some father abandonment. Yes, I've had some father issues. Anyone in the room, I'm the only one looking. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Jesus, right now I ask you to heal and make whole the heart of anyone that has had the missing father. God, I know that without that person in the in their our lives and in in the place where you designed them to be in the family structure that we can often sometimes feel like we're not enough and we don't have the guidance we need but right now wash over that with your blood wash over that with your grace in the name of Jesus I pray a covering I pray a covering in the area where the father was supposed to cover I pray an umbrella of hope where he was supposed to hold the umbrella I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you mend the heart of those that missed their father. And if you're listening online, I pray for you right now in the name of Jesus that God heals your struggle, that God helps you to stop running to things that were because of a missing father's blessing. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus, healing and wholeness to your heart in Jesus' name.